0: Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. There's been a lot of discussion in the past week or so about a series of incidents that affect Native people, from the hotel banning Native Americans to a high school defending disparaging imagery. They're the kinds of things that surface from time to time. At the very least, they're discouraging. Today, we're going to get updates on these incidents and offer a path toward healing. We'll also take your calls. That's coming up after the news.
1: National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. A Canadian Indigenous delegation has arrived in Rome in advance of what's seen as a key meeting with Pope Francis. As Dan Carpentuck reports, they're hoping for an apology from the Catholic Church for its role in running Indian residential schools.
2: About 170 people are taking part in the journey to the Vatican, including 32 Indigenous delegates representing First Nations, Inuit and Métis people. All of them have demands or stories to tell about the abuses at residential schools. From the late 1800s to the late 1900s, the government-funded schools were operated across Canada by churches, including the Roman Catholic Church. Native leaders in Canada want a papal apology for the abuses at the schools. They also want church records. Perry Bellegarde is the former National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations. You know, there were 130 residential schools in Canada, and the Roman Catholic Church was the church that administered most of those, those residential schools here.
3: So they have a moral obligation and a moral duty to do all they can, yes, to apologize, but as well provide access to those records that will help identify some of those, those children that have been lost or that were killed, you know, in the grave sites that have been found. So they have an obligation, no matter how difficult it is, to make it easy for people to have access to those
0: records.
2: Métis and Inuit delegates will sit down with the Pope on Monday, First Nations representatives on Thursday, then all three will gather with the Pope on Friday in an event that will be live-streamed by the Vatican. For National Native News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk.
1: The Great Sioux Nation issued a notice of trespass to the Grand Gateway Hotel in Rapid City, South Dakota over the weekend. The action comes a week after a hotel owner called for a ban on Native American guests. Connie Yuri made the statements in a Facebook post and email following a shooting at the hotel on March 19th. Her statements and the hotel quickly gained attention. Tribal leaders say racism and discrimination against Native people by businesses in Rapid City will not be tolerated. Tribal leaders met Saturday to discuss the trespass notice, the treatment of Native people in the city, and what next steps to take. After the meeting, a march was held to the hotel where the notice was taped to a door. It states, the Great Sioux Nation has made an investigation and evidence shows trespass, which includes a violation of provisions in the Treaty of 1868. The document is signed by leaders of the Crow Creek, Oglala Lakota, Rosebud, Cheyenne River, and Standing Rock Sioux Tribes. Last week, the hotel's manager, who's Yuri's son, told South Dakota Public Broadcasting he's against the statements and that the hotel will continue to accept Native American guests. But the Native organization, Indian Collective, and two individuals say otherwise and have filed a federal civil lawsuit. They claim they were turned away when they tried to rent rooms at the hotel. The Confederate Salish and Kootenai Tribes of Northwest Montana have now assumed full control of the National Bison Range on the Flathead Indian Reservation. Aaron Bolton has more.
3: The National Bison Range, which was once a part of the reservation, was restored to the CSKT as part of a federal bill passed in 2020 to settle the tribe's water claims. That bill was officially enacted in December, setting off the transitionary period for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to hand over management responsibilities of the bison range to the tribes. In an announcement, the tribes said that transition is now complete. Tribal Council Chairman Tom McDonald says that means the tribes are now reunified with the bison on the range. The tribes say members started the herd in the 1800s to conserve the bison at a time when they were nearing extinction. For National Native News, I'm Aaron Bolton.
1: And I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
4: National Native News is produced by Kowanic Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
5: Support by the Native American Disability Law Center. Just a call away at 800-862-7271, a not-for-profit 501c3, providing support for your civil rights.
0: This is Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. There have been many things to celebrate in the past year when it comes to awareness and progress for Native issues. But recently, there have been a series of setbacks, troubling incidents that can be demoralizing for Native people. At least one of the incidents is challenged as a possible civil rights violation. In Rapid City, South Dakota, a hotel owner publicly announced the facility would no longer accept Native American guests, saying the staff can't tell between what she called good and bad Native people. In Oklahoma, a first grader and member of the Kickapoo tribe had his long hair forcibly cut by some schoolmates. And a Texas high school is ignoring all pleas to stop a host of objectionable practices that include students wearing fake headdresses, waving a fake eagle staff, dancing in a way that vaguely mimics Native dances, and purporting to adhere to Cherokee values. We're talking about these incidents today. If you have a perspective, we'd like to hear it give us a call. 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. Tara Hauska is an attorney and co-founder of Not Your Mascot. She's from the Kuchiching First Nation, and she's speaking with us today from White Earth Nation in Minnesota. Tara, welcome back to NEC, and thanks for coming on the show today.
6: Hey, Bruce, Thanks for having me.
0: Nick Tilson is the CEO of Indon Collective. He's joining us from Rapid City, South Dakota, and he's Oglala Lakota. Nick, welcome back to NAC as well, and looking forward to your insights.
4: I'm back to day, thank you for having me.
0: Tara and Nick, the focus of our show today is on these three recent events that we're gonna talk about in depth. But before we start this conversation, I'd like to take a moment to reflect on why I think so many Native people, in addition to feeling angry, humiliated, hurt, also feel very frustrated. And that frustration comes from the fact that while Native people have made so much progress in recent generations economically, politically, socially, when negative events like we've seen recently, what they really do is make us question the reality of that progress. And we did a show last fall during the World Series about Native mascots and stereotypes. And I asked my guest a similar question to the one that I want to ask you now, Tara. And and it's this. What does it say to you that in 2022 Native people are still dealing with blatant disregard of our culture and heritage through the use of these stereotypical mascots? A child has his hair forcibly cut by classmates in a public school and a business has the audacity to publicly state that it will not serve Native American customers. Tara, why why does this stuff keep happening?
6: I would say, you know, I think it's a testament to how pervasive and still very misunderstood anti indigenous sentiment is. I mean, it, we've gotten, I think, as a, as a at least a westernized, so called westernized society, to the place where I think it's sort of understood that certain things are, are anti black, certain things are anti Latinx, certain things are, you know, there's, there's an understanding, at least, I think, because there's a greater deal of representation um it doesn't mean that those problems are resolved by any means but at least like there's a there's an understanding of like hey you shouldn't be doing that when it comes to native people that understanding is just not there um and then we keep seeing it manifesting over and over and over again and i mean i think yeah like you said all those strides forward it does hurt quite a bit when you know those those wins we celebrate um are then you got some kids running around headdresses. You got someone over there in South Dakota saying no Indians allowed. I mean, it's like really, we're still here.
0: Um, right. Yeah. Right. So you mentioned just numbers and, and perhaps as Native American people, since we don't represent a large, large percentage of the U.S. population, maybe that has something to do with it. Nick, how about you? Uh, do you think it's it's a, a game of numbers and we just don't have enough representation nationally? What's your thought on why this stuff just continues to happen in light of all the other progress that we've made as Native people?
4: Well, I think it's a reminder, you know, that it's a reminder that white supremacy is alive and well in America. And white supremacy and racism is an entire system, right? So these are, these blatant blatant acts of racism are a tip of the iceberg of the real racism that is embedded throughout our society. You know, the income, you know, the racial wealth gap in this country is crazy. For every one dollar that a white person has, a Native person has eight cents. In South Dakota, Native people make up nine percent of the population, but are responsible for 52 percent of the people that are jailed and incarcerated in the state of South Dakota. The -hmm. lowest economic and education mobility in the nation is Native American children in South Dakota. These are systemic racial inequalities and injustices that are embedded throughout society. And the fact that those things continue to go under-invested and under-addressed creates the culture and the climate for the things that we're talking about here today, whether it be a d oh. above the Grand Gateway, the Kickapoo, or what's happening down in Texas.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, Tara... Let's get into the conversation. Tell us more about this incident that occurred earlier this month at Disneyland with regard to this high school from East Texas.
6: I was uh, scrolling through socials, which, you know, I don't know. I don't spend a great deal of time on social media, but this one, um, I've worked on Native mascots for a long time. And this one was remarkable to me, at least in the sense that it was so blatant um the scalpel chant was pretty shocking you know especially given that it was at Disney so I came across this video posted a tweet and it went all over the place because other people were also quite shocked by this um I mean to your first question too I think there is like a, a rising at least understanding but we're just not there yet like I was happy to see how much support there was for um recognizing and calling out that very blatant racism but yeah you got a bunch of kids who are presumably mostly non-native kids uh wearing a bunch of fringe marching down the main street in walt disney world chanting scalp them, and then finding out that not only it was this approved that that disney actually was like oh don't put on your headdresses though like you usually do because they've been invited like eight times before that um mm-hmm. so they seem to understand like hey that's that might that might upset people, but I guess the chant <laughs> didn't quite reach the radar for them.
0: Okay, and I do want to applaud you because you are the the person that called this out on social media. And, and I I wonder, Tara, had you not been proactive, had you not seen these videos and blasted this out, uh, do you think we'd be having this conversation on the show today?
6: you know, you never really quite know like what's going to go viral and what's going to reach people when it comes to, you know, socials and things like that, or, or putting something out in the media. You hope that other issues also reach that kind of audience. Like they're building a pipeline through our backyard, through the headwaters of Mississippi. Like, why doesn't that matter also? But yeah, I mean, I think people should, native people, you know, we, we need to speak out and it's uh, important to do so. And if we don't, have those voices, um, you know, that we're, we're not able to make ourselves heard as okay. hard as that might be. And
0: yeah. Okay. Now this school, um, they go back a lot of years. They've had this mascot for, for many, many years, uh, have been doing these practices at football games and different events. Uh, what's their position now? Are, are they, talking about making any changes in the near future with regard to how they deal with these native-themed mascots at, at their school?
6: Absolutely not. I mean, these guys are doing what many folks do, unfortunately, or at least a certain section of folks do when they get called up for really overtly racist behavior, which is kind of batten down the hatches, disengage from social media, wait for it to blow over and go back to it. I mean, this school is, it knows there's an issue. This mascot controversy has come up many, many times. I've had a number of alumni reach out and, and tell me about their own experiences. Um, Cherokee Nation has put out these statements. They they just simply do not care. They call themselves, like, their stadium is called the reservation. And they got, they're got they teaching this to, like, little kids about uh, these chants and, and how it's about pride and honor and all these different things. I guess the town was actually built on some Indian burial mounds, and that's, like, where a lot of this came from. They bulldozed mm-hmm. them to create the town um, and manipulated that into, like, their culture and history, which is a lot of what Native mascots are really about, right? It's about supremacy and colonialism and erasing that past.
0: Now, you mentioned that Cherokee Nation, which is just one uh, Cherokee tribe. There's also uh, another tribe in North Carolina and another Cherokee tribe that's in Oklahoma. But Cherokee Nation, that the big tribe based there in Tahlequah, uh, they've— Publicly denounced this. Their principal chief Chuck Hoskin Jr. has been very critical of this whole situation. However, uh, the school did receive an endorsement many years ago, in the late 70s, from the person that was principal chief at the time, and they've been using this endorsement as license to go out and do these demonstrate or you know carry on these game day antics and such. So, um, we're going to talk more about that that situation and that that license that uh, they claim to have, this endorsement from Cherokee Nation that uh, is more than 40 years old and how that plays into it. And we're also gonna talk more about these other incidents that have occurred there in Rapid City, South Dakota with regard to the Grand Gateway Hotel and also this uh, young fellow down in Oklahoma who had his hair cut. Again, this is a tough show we're doing today. Uh, It's not a warm and fuzzy show like we do sometimes on other episodes of Native America Calling, but we really want to hear from you as listeners. Again, all perspectives are welcome on our show, so give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. That is the number, and we're waiting to hear from you. We'll be back right after this short break. Very often, Vietnam-era veterans get overlooked, and Native Vietnam veterans continue to face hurdles in accessing health care and other benefits. For National Vietnam War Veterans Day, we'll take time to honor Native warriors and hear their stories. That's on the next Native America Calling.
2: Program support
3: by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian Country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian Country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at amerind.com.
0: That's a m e r i n d.com. This is Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Native representation seems to have taken a few steps backward in recent weeks. We're talking about a few troubling events that made the news and circulated on social media, and we're also getting ideas on healing and ways to move forward. If you feel the need to speak up and challenge any attempts to disrespect Native identity, there is a way to do that. Call in at 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848. We welcome your comments. Before we went to break, we were listening to Tara Hauska, and she was talking about this incident that occurred at Disneyland with regard to this school in Texas. And Tara, I, I mentioned that the, the school is, is working under this endorsement from 1979 that Cherokee Nation once issued. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Does that have any teeth at all or give them any justification? to continue to do uh, these things that they're doing with regard to their mascot? A couple different things, which is,
6: at the time that this endorsement was given, we were still fighting for legislation to prevent or at least try to stop the theft of our children through the Indian Child Welfare Act. We had just come through like the uh, a lot of the acts around um, religious freedom. I mean, it was still illegal for for a lot of Native practices at that time. So, thinking of thinking of things in context is really important, right? Of like what was actually happening. Not not only that. I mean, the American Indian movement was. Also in full swing, you know, and all that. Um, people were out in the streets and, and pushing back against dispossession and disenfranchisement of Native people. Um, I don't think that one person can represent, adequately represent an entire, you know, section of people, right? And it sounded like the, the Cherokee Nation was not even aware that this had happened and that they, they had framed this and made this like their whole centerpiece. Um, because the issue really isn't about like whether I'm offended or you're not offended or whether this native person said it's all right. And this native person said it's not right. The issue is that it affects their children. Right. And, and it's clinically and completely shown to do in numerous studies that it harms the, the self-esteem of native youth, that it right. causes all children to adopt racial stereotypes. That's what really matters. It's about racism. Like that's what we're talking about. And that's what actually the heart of the matter is not about like, how many people are offended or how many people aren't.
0: Okay, Well let me ask you though, and apparently uh, <clears throat> the Cherokee Nation didn't have a lot of knowledge of this endorsement, but do you think um, there's any responsibility on their end for for not keeping better tabs on, on what their elected leaders, what kinds of proclamations they're issuing, even something that occurred many years ago in the past, like this one did, uh, don't they have some sort of a responsibility to keep tabs on that kind of stuff? To, to cut things like this off sooner rather than later so we're not dealing with it as this huge issue 40 plus years now 2022 do you, do you have any thoughts on that
6: I would guess that's probably why the current president put out a proclamation a couple of years ago right was exactly for that like no it's actually not cool and when this issue was brought up those years ago because it's been brought up several different times like these guys have gone through this multiple times because it's obviously racist behavior. Um, It sounds like the the nation rectified this this past ambassadorship that was given.
0: Okay. Well, we've got a caller on the line, Melvin. He's listening on KZYK in Santee, Nebraska. Melvin, you are on Native America Calling.
7: Yes. When uh, Sarah mentioned uh, the Cherokee Nation In the 70s, their president was appointed by by the United States president. They weren't elected. They were appointed during this time. So I won't give much credit to that document uh, stating uh, supporting that school because uh, once he was out, the Cherokee people finally voted in their leaders. So they probably don't even know this happened. And I think that uh, they should look at, bring up the paperwork and uh, get rid of it. It's, It's racist, but the other thing is at the time, W. W. Keeler was the tribal chairman over there in Cherokee country. And remember, he was appointed by the United States president. They didn't even get to elect their own president, they were appointed. Mm. So that's what I have to contribute.
0: Well, Melvin, thank you so much. Uh, as always, you've got great insights. Uh, and and I, I do have confirmation that Killer was, in fact, appointed by President Harry Truman. Uh, we're checking on that. We're double checking on whether or not um, Ross Swimmer was, was appointed by the United States President at that time. I'm thinking that would have maybe been Jimmy Carter. But we're going to check on that just to make sure we got our facts right. Uh, folks, let's get in audio example of what we're talking about. This clip is from a song written by a school music teacher more than 10 years ago. It's from a video on the Port Nietzsche's Groves High School website, and it is part of one of their annual Spirit Week celebrations. <laughs>
7: We've this Indian nation. It's our world zone at the reservation. Can't be time to stop at the top of high Beef up and sweat up and you in the night. Highlights, a little bubbles, you scroll them out. No chance, more chance. you hand us now. But the field get chills, it's marching high. Cities behind us, but the tomahawks fly. We are Indian nation. We rock
0: the reservation. We want the world to hear it. and feel our Indian
2: spirit.
7: Cherokee, the heart of our conviction.
4: On the field, big pain and affliction. Splits, platinum chains are going to rattle Get down, get ready for the battle. We're flying,
3: I'll raid the fight now. Take it down with the warrior crying out. Indian nation, not an occasion. Pearl, positive, finds an
2: equation.
0: Wow, that sounds like an episode of the old TV show Glee that just like completely went off the rails. Uh, Nick, please, what's your reaction when you hear that?
4: Oh, my reaction, I mean, I, I, I think what it comes down to, my reaction to that is, especially as a father, a four, it just, in, it, it incites anger, you know, it brings up the, the anger and it also brings up the reality of what we're up against. And uh, it's a reminder that, you know, the attack against native people and our identity and our lands and our life ways and who we are is not something just in the past. It's active and it's happening right now and so you know you hear those those things from the 70s the 80s the 90s and some of those things things are still happening here today and so you know to me it's like what to do with that anger how to turn that anger into power into bringing our people together so that this doesn't happen anymore so it brings okay. up all of those emotions and those feelings of how to how to you know take that and then like pivot it you know
0: Okay. And how do you, how do we as Native people do that, Nick? How do we pivot from this and how do we, um, wh- where do we go from here? And, and how do we heal and, and how do we rectify issues like this? I, I know this is a big focus of the work you do within the collective.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is to recognize that this is generational, right? So we are continue, continuing on a fight that the warriors, men and women and folks that have come before us have fought um, and that we have a duty to continue to sharpen our spear and to use our anger and to use our frustration at this at racism and, and, and system um, and to have a multifaceted approach. I think that we have to always have a narrative approach. We always have to have an organizing approach, when possible, a legal approach uh, to dismantle these things. And we have to approach it and use the language of abolish and dismantle. We're not trying to make um, to 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 normalize, you know, uh, that the fact that we have to fight these things all the time. We have to use the language and build strategies to abolish this narratives and this behavior, and make it not only illegal, but make sure that it's upheld um, both by Indian and non-Indian people. And to also, as we stand in our power, also recognizing that our white allies need to sharpen their spear. And they need to go ba- go go to bat in dismantling white supremacy, and that means they need to work on their white fragility in the process too. And so there's many mm-hmm. things that we can collectively do to sharpen our spirit, to move to action, and have a multifaceted approach to, you know, abolishing and dismantling white supremacy.
0: Uh-huh. Well, we've got another caller on the line, Jasper. He's in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and he is listening on KUNM jasper here on native america calling
2: oh good morning um i really really thank uh you for the show i think it's a uh, super important that this show is is uh that you guys are bringing this story up that she had PICK THIS OFF THE LINE. WE we NEED TO, uh, AS THE FORMER CALLER SAID, IT'S ABOUT UNITING as, uh, AS as NATIVE PEOPLE, NOT JUST AS as TRIBAL PEOPLE. YOU KNOW, we WE'RE SO SEPARATED BY THE BUREAU OF INDIAN AFFAIRS IN MANY WAYS SEPARATES US. WE'RE PLAINS TRIBES, WE'RE PUEBLO TRIBES, WE'RE, we're YOU KNOW, ALASKAN CORPORATIONS. We're, WE NEED TO UNIFY OUR VOICES. THIS IS uh, VERY INTERESTING uh, WHEN the, when THIS this hair is—we've already. Uh, the former caller said, "You know, we need to have laws. There are laws already that that uh, make the the cutting of that boy's hair illegal. There's a Crown Act which was approved by Congress, and 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 our voices do need to step up." Uh, we have a, a, a first-time uh, Native American woman in, in, as a secretary, and and I, I, I want to say this, and I don't want to b- offend any African Americans who are listening, but it, 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 I struggle with the idea that the African Americans have 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 taken the the language and the rhetorical language of the Bible and applied to civil rights and 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 moved forward and. Uh, and that our people have been separated, uh, systematically separated, and we haven't developed that u- united voice. So I'd like to conclude with this, is that we have, we have uh, this radio station as a, as a, as a way to, to, uh, to communicate to the, to the nation all the way to Alaska, okay. all across the West. And we need to have more, more time to talk about this subject
0: Okay. Thank you, Jasper, for those comments. And Tara, I want to ask you, because Jasper mentions that as Native people, he feels that we do not always stand united with some of these issues. Tara, do you agree with that?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is no monolith, right? There's hundreds of nations that are fairly recognized. There's many, many nations who are not recognized. Um, There's a wide variety of opinions on a lot of these things. I mean, you go to you go to a res or something like that and you'll see people wearing a Cleveland Indians hat or something, or, you know, my own cousins, I mean, (laughs) wearing Washington football team stuff, you know, and then me having a, well, I guess I don't have to, but having the conversation with them about, you know, what that does when it's in someone else's hands. I mean, I think there's, go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead.
0: Finish Tara. I'm sorry. I, I interrupted you. Go ahead and finish.
6: Um, you know, I would just say, like, there there is a wide variety of opinions that are out there, just like everything. Um, but that said, I mean, I for me, I just always go, come back to, specifically on the mascot issue and about representation, it's about our kids. And that is not an opinion.
0: Okay. Now, I know a disclosure, we did reach out to officials with the Port Natchez Grove School District, and we did not hear back from them by showtime. But, Terry, you mentioned uh, how, you know, Native schools and, and many Native people, you know, support mascots and such. And uh, we know that there are a lot of tribal schools with mostly Native student bodies that also keep Native mascots. So what is the difference? Why is it different when a Native school has a mascot as opposed to when a school like this in Texas has one?
6: Like I said, I mean, it's it's a huge difference when it's in our hands versus someone else's, right? It's if you're on a if you're on a rez and you you understand what headdresses mean, you understand. Well, first of all, you're probably not even going to be wearing one, but you understand mm-hmm. what those things actually mean. You understand that like that video that was circulating of these kids that were practicing a fake pipe, peace pipe ceremony is what they called it, you know, on their gymnasium floor. I mean, we know what those things mean. They don't know what those things mean um it's a completely different understanding and approach to it right like it's it has nothing to do with the ignorant portrayals and representations that we see when we go into non-native spaces i mean for me moving to dc that was the first time i'd ever seen anything like that in my life you know because we banned mascots back in 1992 in minnesota so like i just hadn't seen it and when i did it was shocking and it was really, really upsetting. And I couldn't help but think like, you know, if I were a kid being raised in this environment, how much that would hurt.
7: Okay,
0: I, I do want to provide some clarification, we did check and Ross Swimmer, the the Cherokee principal chief that apparently issued this endorsement for this school to use Cherokee imagery. He was in fact, elected principal chief, it was his predecessor, W.W. W. Keeler, who was originally appointed by the US president. So just wanna make sure that um, you folks are aware. That's what I originally stated uh, when I mentioned that earlier in the show. Uh, Nick, also, we've got this big issue up there in Rapid City and that hits really close to home with you. Tell us more, um, Grand Gateway Hotel, can you give us a little bit more background on just what exactly occurred there? Uh, uh,
4: Yeah, so a little bit of background, Grand Gateway Hotel, um, a hotel that's on the Street in Rapid City, um, two things happened. One, after a shooting that happened at last weekend at the state tournament, um, they had made an announcement to all of the hospitality groups in all the hotels in the entire Rapid City area in a letter that they would no longer serve Native people. Um, and then they went to social media and said that they would no longer serve Native people and of course this created an uproar especially being a community here in the Hesapa in Miniluzaha that's largely native people and um, and so they they you know they made those statements and we said of course the initial that call their bluff so Indian collective send our people up there uh, we sent our people up there to rent a room uh, first we sent an individual they denied him room They denied him a room. They would not rent a room to her, my sister, Sonny Red Bear. Okay. Nick, I'm going to go
0: ahead. We're going to have to take a break, but I I want you I'm going to go ahead and let you continue that uh, and and tell us more about how um, your people were denied entry into that hotel. Folks, you are listening to Native America Calling. The number to call, 1-800-996-2848 if you have a question or comment for today's show. I'm your host, Sean Spruce, and we'll be back right after this short break.
3: Mesa Lands Community College can help you lead the way in your chosen field. At Mesa Lands, where one in three students is Native American, you get hands-on opportunities working one-on-one with instructors in wind energy, where students go up the turbine in their first semester, silversmithing with access to the largest foundry in the Southwest, and blacksmithing in the cowboy arts. Mesa Lands has a national top 10 rodeo team, too. Info and applications at mesalands.edu. Mesa Lands Community College supports this program.
0: For tuning into Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. There's still time to get in on our discussion today. What is your reaction when you see instances of disrespect and aggression against Native Americans like we've seen in recent days? Please call in 1-800-996-2848, that's 1-800-99-NATIVE. Before we went to break, we were listening to Nick Tilson and he was explaining how Indian Collective is involved with this issue at the Grand Gateway Hotel there in Rapid City. And Nick, you were describing how some of your people went to rent rooms at the Gateway Hotel. Please continue continue your thoughts.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So we sent our people up there um, to rent rooms, to call their bluff, to see if they would actually not just talk about not serving Native people, but actually actively do it. And so they denied both individuals within our group they also denied Indian Collective as an organization, um, refusing to, to, uh, to rent us rooms. In fact, when they found out Indian Collective was in the lobby, they, they asked us to leave the, pre- the, the premises. Um, we recorded both of those incidences on audio and visuals. Um, we posted that on their website. We used it as a premise. And within 24 hours of them denying uh, us a- entry there, we filed a, a federal civil rights lawsuit against the Grand Gateway Hotel for the violation uh, of our civil rights. And um, and then, you know, within that same period of time, mobilized over 500 people um, to march to the federal courthouse um, as we filed those uh, that federal law- lawsuit. And that was also okay. followed up by a, a mobilization of tribal leaders. But that's what happened. Uh, that's what's happened over the past, you know, uh, five days here. In
0: okay. Nick, what's the, the status of this civil rights suit that you're pushing?
4: Uh, we just filed it. Um, it was accepted. Um, we, right now we have two classes in there. We have a class of uh, Sunday Red Bear as an individual, also Indian collective as an organization, um, uh, because it was a lawsuit that, um, impacts all Native people. We are seeking, um, seeking it to become a class action, um, which, it, which it would be eligible for, uh, but that's for a judge to decide. And what we want to see happen next is we want to see an injunction. We want to make sure that there's an injunction uh, that, that is put on the Grand Gateway to immediately stop them from being able to violate their civil, civil rights. Um, and then we hope to continue to, you know, uh, seek justice uh, through the court system, as well as people taking to the streets. Um, so that's what's, that's where, you know, these lawsuits go on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and while the lawsuit's going on, what we're asking everybody to do is to boycott Grand Gateway.
0: Okay. And I've seen on social media, uh, some big protests there uh, outside of that hotel. I know that area pretty well there on La Crosse Street there in in Rapid City. And, uh in this case, you have elected leaders from all across South Dakota and, and the whole nation condemning the actions of this hotel owner. Does that give you hope that, that uh this is all gonna we're gonna have good resolution here and this uh lawsuit is is gonna be successful?
4: Yeah, I mean I think that there is uh absolute unity on this issue from grassroots organizers, um, tribal leaders, um, you know. Elected elected officials, um, to quite frankly, a lot of the, a lot of the white businesses, and and white leadership in Rapid City also stands against this uh, against this act of racism too, um, and so I think the lawsuit is one of the things, but I think the bigger impact here is not just the lawsuit, is not just the boycott, but we're sending a message here that this is not okay in our community, and we will put an end to it. And this business will not be conducted this way in our community because when it is, we will rise up and we will put it out like a fire as quick as it it comes up. And so um, that's what I'm seeing here um, in the opportunity that exists here is to build a flame to attack systematic racism in this community because this community is absolutely racist. And the Grand Gateway is only, you know, tip of the iceberg.
0: Okay. And Nick, you, you, you mentioned Rapid City. You describe it as a racist community. It, it's a border town. It's had a long history of high-profile incidents against Native people in the past. But you do mention that local businesses are condemning uh, this business and, and their practices. But overall, uh, you know, you're know, you there in Rapid. Um, is, is it getting better overall, do you think, in terms of some of these deep-seated racist issues that occur up there? in Rapid City, what's your perspective on that?
4: I, I think the systemic issues are not changing. I think that the over-incarceration of Native American people is not changing. Um, I think that the education, you know, mobility and economic mo- mobility for Native people is not changing. Um, so many of the systemic issues that need to be changed to 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 transform this community and move it forward those things aren't aren't actually changing, and so what I'm seeing is that in this moment, people are rising up and saying, "I'm against this behavior." Well, what about against the the police that every day harass native people in this community, or the mayor of Rapid City who denounced what what the Grand Gateway did, but before the Fourth of July event last year, talked about lynching and how the press conference about lynching in this community. What about um, the aggressive panhandling laws that are you know designed. To target Native American people. Those are white, supremacist, racist laws that are in place. And so I think that there is an opportunity here. I don't see the things changing as of late, but the biggest opportunity here is how do we take this incident and the fact that Indian and white people stand together on this incident to actually pivot this moment into addressing these systemic issues in our community. Otherwise, we are always going to be here. There's going to be another business. There's going to be another thing to march. There's going to be another thing to rise up against. And what we really need is us coming together to addressing these root causes throughout our community and throughout society.
0: Okay. We have another caller on the line, Stephanie, uh, listening in Durango, Colorado, on the Internet. Stephanie, you're on Native America Calling.
5: Hello. Um, my name is Stephanie. I'm Navajo, Diné, and um so the, just wanted to br- talk a little bit about mascots and the harms that they do. I live in Durango, Colorado, and there is a business called Toratine Gallery owned by two white owners, and they have a chief statue. It's a caricature of a man, a Native man, and it's everything ugly about Native American caricature. And there's an organization that I'm a part of. It's a grassroots group. Native-led organization that have been trying to get the statue taken down. And last uh, last fall, before COVID reared back up, we were trying to get a panel together, and we were close to getting it finalized and getting it all set up. And the one of the owners of the um, business went to the kind of I guess you could say the stakeholders of Durango, complaining about what we were doing. And in her email that she didn't think was gonna get out to people, she essentially referred to the group, which included myself, as um, that we were not representative of good Native people. And it's just that whole idea that when you fight back against white supremacy, white character, you know, like just essentially racism in general, um, that you're pigeonholed into either being a good Native how they want to view a good native being and then a bad native because you don't do things to a white person's expectations. And so we're still trying to get to get the panel going again with COVID um, restrictions going on. It's kind of hard to do that, but um, I think she's just hoping that we're just going to go away and, and she can keep her, her, her statue, but we're not. So that's all I wanted to bring up with us, you know, this issue with racism and white supremacy and diminishment and, you know, mockery. It, it's, it's nationwide and it's it's something that needs to change because um, we are we are here. We've been here. This is our homelands. And we are much more than just an ugly caricature of what they think we look like.
0: Stephanie, thank you so much for those comments and good luck with with your efforts up there in Durango. And Tara, I want to ask you because what, what kind of chimes in here is this whole issue of accountability, right? Like Stephanie just described this local business owner that just doesn't want to change and, and has some very strong views in terms of what they think they can do and what they can get away with. So I, I want to ask you, going back to this school in Texas, is there any recourse for holding this Texas school accountable? Or even like a business like what Stephanie, our caller, is dealing with up there in, in Colorado? What are, what are what are the methods for, for keeping businesses and schools and organizations accountable?
6: Some of the things that I've seen that have been effective, especially for somebody or an, an entity that just refuses to be accountable in any way, um, that doubles down, triples down, you know, really digs in their heels, um, is going after their finances. I mean, that's, you know, the, the the incident out in South Dakota, the incident for the Washington football team, for many, many others. I mean, we target their money and their access to spaces for a number of reasons, but it's also to create pressure and to um have them start to feel the heat. Right. Mm-hmm. So for the Port Neches folks, I mean, they're not gonna I'm I'm assuming they're not gonna be invited back to Disney after this. That's gotta be a huge loss to their to their students, you know, and like the issue isn't the students, right? The issue, they shouldn't be experiencing something like that because their school refuses to come into the 21st century and treat people with respect. I mean, the folks that are out in in Denver that she was just describing, maybe there needs to be more awareness, awareness built in the community for sure. Like awareness building is a huge part of any effort, but also like, how do you hit them in the finances? You know, like how do you start maybe some boycotts or something like that? Um, Same thing with the hotel. The hotel is going to feel that for sure. I mean, that was one of my first thoughts is like that hotel is going under um, for overtly saying what so many South Dakotans still seem to hold near and dear.
0: Tara, what about this young boy down in Oklahoma that had his hair cut with regard to accountability? Again, this is dealing with a school. Um, Do you think there's a way to to hit that school in a way that hurts them financially? Is is that going to work? In this case, where it's not necessarily a mascot in football games in Disney World or Disneyland visits, it's it's a child who forcibly has his hair cut by classmates. Uh, what's what's a solution there?
6: That is such a painful issue, and I've certainly through this work come across things like that happening to students um, across Turtle Island. I think um, in that case, it's you know it's, it's on the parent for sure right like to be aware of what's happened to this child and how hurtful it was like the education that needs to happen among the school among the school teachers the school board like the all the professionals that need to understand exactly why this is so painful um and yeah i mean i think they as far as the finances go i mean when you start bringing lawsuits like the one that Indian Collective is bringing, I mean that that does ultimately impact a lot of things, right? I mean like schools require federal dollars. If you're, there's some sort of discriminatory behavior happening, or maybe they're perpetuating and allowing this type this type of really violent um, thing to occur to a student, I mean they're not they're not adequately protecting, right? And they're not they're specifically not adequately protecting someone's right to religious freedom. Um, that is such a hurtful incident, and it's, it's, my heart goes out to that family for sure.
0: Absolutely, and and I do want to to end this show on a on a positive note. And again, circling back around to this notion of healing, and Tara, I want to ask you if if you could talk to this family in Oklahoma that had to to deal with this horrible incident, what would you tell them?
6: that there are so many people who are sending them all the good thoughts and all the energy in the world that is positive and caring and that child you know is touching so many hearts and it's so so hurtful that they are enduring something that has such a dark history for our people um but that you know they're that child wants to be proud of their heritage and to be proud of who they are and to walk in those ways is a testament to just how powerful that family is and how much healing our people have done so far. That we are no longer in a space where we're demonized for being Native. Instead, we're in a space where people are proud. You know, Native pride is very, very real and uh, to keep moving forward.
0: Okay. And Nick, I want to ask you if, if you could go down there to Texas and and meet with that school, if you had an all school assembly with those students and that faculty in that community, what would you tell them, Nick?
4: I mean, I would tell them that that this 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 will never happen again, and the conversation and what happens from this moment forth will ensure it never happens again, and that every Native person with long hair, that every Native person with their culture, their spirituality, should be lifted up as warriors, as people for the future, and that we should build a society in which this cannot happen anymore, and that we will dismantle that in in all of one of these schools. And if the school doesn't want to change, but they don't want to make their change, then we will hold those leaders accountable, we will get people removed from that school, we will stop funding from that school and that the young person's this young man whose voice whose hair was whose hair was cut needs to be lifted up and needs to be prayed for and his hair will grow back out and our people will continue to rise and we're not going anywhere
0: okay tara for folks that that want to learn more about these incidents and other uh, egregious acts of aggression or disrespect towards Native people, what's the best way to just keep up to date on issues like this?
6: I'd strongly recommend it. I mean, there's a couple of different groups that work on this type of stuff. Um, I'd say please follow Indigenous People's Movement. Uh, check out Illuminators. Uh, you can follow our work at Not Your Mascot. Um, just keep aware and, you know, I mean, keep calling it out for what it is. We, we move forward when we stand together.
0: Well, once again, we've reached the end of the hour and a challenging conversation concerning recent egregious acts of disparagement and aggression toward Native people. Thank you, Tara and Nick Tilson for your insights and perspectives, as well as your leadership on these troubling issues. Tomorrow, we're taking time to recognize Native veterans, specifically veterans of the Vietnam War. Tune in live at the same time or catch us on your favorite podcast app. I'm Sean Spruce, thanks for listening.
5: कुछ तस्वीरें थे कि मौ में a